Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in our study through the New Testament, we're working through the New Testament a chapter at a time. We've been doing this for a long time now. This is part 217. 217 weeks in, we're heading on the towards the end. We're about 40 weeks away, I think, from being done. Um, we're, we're moving through James. We've still got... Uh, uh, first, second, and third John to do. We got uh, first and second Peter in the mix, and we've got the book of Jude, and then we'll hop into Revelation to end everything up. It's going to be very cool. We're in James right now, and uh, we're going to get into the fourth chapter of James tonight. There's quite a bit of stuff in this chapter, so I, I don't want to do a big intro. I kind of want to launch in. Remember, the, the book of James in some ways is kind of like Proverbs and that it's just it's just filled with advice. And um, James is going to make some big points tonight about things we need to do, very practical um, ideas on living the life that we're called to in Christ. And, and so remember, James is talking about a life of faith, um, he's in, and unlike Paul, who was really talking about saving faith almost all the time, um, James's idea is, is about how to live this life out. Remember, they were, they were just writing to diff- people in different places. Paul was primarily writing to Gentiles who didn't have much background, um, you know, for, uh, out of the scripture at all, and, and it was all brand new to them, so it was like, you know, writing to infants. Um, James is writing to sort of the same group that the letter of he- Hebrews was written to. These were um, people who had a substantial sort of understanding of the Old Testament scripture, and um, they were in a, in, just in a different place because of that, and so so they were going on with different things, and, and, um, and it, James is talking about what this life should look like in Christ, that there should be some noticeable fruit, in effect, that should be coming from living a life in Christ. So I want to get in. There's some neat stuff. So let's just hop into the reading. James 4, 17 verses. Uh, I'm going to read out of the NIV. You can read along in your Bibles if you brought them, out of whatever translation you have. In the notes, I'm pretty sure it's the NIV. But um, let's dig in. James 4, chapter 1. James 4, pardon me, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So a lot of stuff in there. 
let's hop in and talk about the first five verses together. And James 4, 1 through 5, the, what he's getting at here is, is um, our motivation in life. What motivates how we act and, and how, how we move through this life is extremely important. And, and sort of the question we have to ask ourselves a lot is why are we doing what we're doing? And, and we, we need to tackle this with this sort of thought to none of us has completely pure motive. Nobody has. We just, you just don't. Um, it's, it's, you, you, some have pure motives than others, but all of us have flesh mixed into the process, all right? just happens. It's part of living in this world. So um, I, I think it's important to, to come to grips with that or else we start trying to justify and defend things we shouldn't justify and defend. Um, and, and it's not all bad that we have motives. Um, we just have to see what is really motivating us in the process. And I, I think it's something we need to be thinking about in how we live through this life. And, um, you know, uh, if you're motivated by fear, that's not good. If you're motivated by guilt, that's not good. If you're motivated by greed, that's not good. If you're motivated by ego, that's not good. And yet, I would say at some level, all those things begin to play into how we move through life. Um, what our motivation should be is love. Love is the, the best motivation for, for everything. And, and, uh, and it's what needs to be taking place. And yet all these other things are weaving their way into our lives and the reasons why we do things. Um, Jesus said this in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another. This is 34 and 35. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Um, and that didn't make your notes, I know. John 13, 34 and 35. But, but Jesus was saying, look, this is, this is what, you know, it needs to be about love. And love is really the only motivation that will help us in, in uh, living by trying to do the next right thing. And we talk about that a lot here, right? Loving God, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. This is all part of the, part of the deal. And so, you know, as you, as you read these verses from, from James... Um, you know, think about what motivates you. What, what are some of the things you're doing, perhaps, with wrong motives? Um, and, and again, I think something we need to think about is, are, what are the things you're doing that are motivated by fear? Uh, and, and think about those things. I think that we all can be impacted by fear sometimes, and it causes us to do... And we make terrible decisions out of fear. Um, you, you know, that excessive sort of worry about stuff causes us to make very bad decisions. Um, what are you doing that's motivated by guilt? Because the stuff that you're guilted into, you always resent doing, and it's, it's never a good thing. Um, how about by greed? Again, it's a big issue, but we get stuck there sometimes, and, and we, we get caught. It's not good. Or even by ego. Um, you know, there's other bad motivations, but those four cover a lot of it. Um, and usually get to the heart of what's going on, if we'll be honest with ourselves. Again, James 4, 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires at battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet. You can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so uh, James is telling us in this life of faith, really, that, that anything in your life that's not motivated by love needs to be looked at and dealt with. And, and really, I'd say it's a very regular thing. Um, that we take in a good look at why we're doing, what we're doing, and what the motivations are behind it, with the reality that none of us has perfect motive. 
Um, but, but, you know, just seeing where it's... Do you ever peel away layers and you think that's really ugly when you get underneath it? I do about myself all the time. Oh, man, that's not right. I, I think that's fairly important that we, we take a look at those things and go, you know, where's that coming from? Or why am I feeling that? Or, or you know, what's, what's driving that? And is it, you know, is it, is it love and is it a God thing or is it, you know, my own mess getting in the way of everything? And taking a pretty regular look at those things and dealing with them is very important. Also, James says something there I wanted to make sure we understand. When he's talking about friendship with the world, um, it, the way it's used in the context, it's talking about the, the world system, worldly values, worldly attitudes, worldly passions that sort of characterize the brokenness of our culture. And, and he's warning us about that kind of friend, you know, getting friendly with all those things. He's not saying not to associate with the people of the world, because certainly that's what we're called to do. It's our mission to, um, to I mean, to actively pursue friendship um, with, with people. But he's, he's saying there, you know, don't become friends with, with all that the culture represents. And again, that's a, usually a pretty significant part of what we struggle with uh, in this world. The, because of the pervasiveness of our culture... Um, you know, the, the, where we get stuck a lot of time in these motivations is, is this, you know, we, well, if I'm not looking out for me, who's gonna? And, and cause that's what our culture would say. And the reality to that is that if, if you'll let him, he will, God will, he's trustworthy. You can trust him. And once you get a hold of the fact that you can trust him and that life is found in him, it sort of frees you up to love well. Uh, in the process and, you know, to realize we're an adjective in the story. We're not the noun and figure out how we fit and, and that's where we find life. So this idea, I think, of, of motivation is really important. It's a great piece of advice from James. We should be thinking all the time, right? What is it that's motivating us in, in the directions that we're moving in? And, and then, you know, asking the Spirit of God to reveal them to us, you know, things that we could probably deal with and work on a little better because um, we don't want to move out of those bad motivations. James 4, 6, he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Uh, he gives grace to the humble. So humility is something that we should um, be exhibiting in a life of faith. And humility is a, is a personal quality in which an individual shows dependence on God and respect for other persons. It's what we're looking for, a dependence on God and a respect for other people. And humility really allows us to see our own constant need for, for the grace of God. And then it, it allows us to extend grace to other people. Um, and this is all part of this process. Humility allows us to realize how desperately we need God and the grace of God. And then, and then uh, allows that to flow through us in the way that we interact with people and, and understand their need for the grace of God as well. And it leads to James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the evil one. And, and how does that work? How do we submit to God first? I think that's fairly important from the notes. Make sure we can, we can get that from the text. Um, um, and and uh, it requires verse 6. Um, you can't submit to God without humility. Uh, and, and so having a humble and submissive heart is a choice that we make. And it's what we talk about all the time in living by doing the next right thing. We're going to choose to do it God's way um, when presented with multiple options. And because His way is the right way. And so we're going to submit to um, the, the things that He wants for us because we begin to understand that what He wants for us is the best for us. 
And he's not trying to keep us from having fun or enjoying life. But, but you know, so that's the, tra- the trap, right? That the world's got all the good stuff. And that's all that James is saying. Don't, don't get misled by that. Life is found in him. So you need to submit to doing things his way. It starts with humility that says, God, you know better than me. And I want to do it your way. And then we submit to God and, and then we resist the, the evil one. How do we do that? Um, you can write this down and look it up later. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Um, be aware as, as followers of Christ that we are all involved in a very real spiritual battle. Uh, it's, it's, we, we would, might like to think oh, it's not real or we don't have to worry about it, but if you're in the kingdom, you're involved in a spiritual battle. We have a very real enemy who delights in keeping you off track, off course, and not experiencing life. Um, and so he, he takes his best shots at doing that. And I said, you know, a lot of times he uses, you know, same, he uses tricks and schemes and lies and deceits. And that's all he's got. Um, because, you know, he was rendered virtually powerless at the cross. Uh, however, he operates um, fairly competently with his ability to lie and trick and deceive. And, and so we, we give in to a lot of times. And what James is saying is submit to God, do it his way, and resist this mess that the enemy is trying to throw at you. And, and if you do, God is faithful. And he'll, he'll always provide a way out. And so it's the reality and it's the realization that when we're faced with decisions throughout the day that we have to make, and we can do it God's way or we can do it our way, that if we choose to do it God's way, he'll empower us to step into that process. He will. He'll just help you make right choices and follow through on them. He'll empower you to do those things. You have that ability now in Christ. You, you're no longer a slave to, that, uh, to the mess. Where, where There was a time before Christ where we didn't have many options. Um, now we do. We have the option to say, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it God's way. And then the Spirit of God will empower you to do it His way if you choose to do it. Um, but, but, you know, this is a battle and we have to realize it's a battle and at the same time, we're not alone in it. God is with us. And, and I love this. For 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. You can write that down too and look it up later. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 was the first one. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds are defined next. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, so we have this ability um, that when we choose to do the right thing, we're empowered by the Spirit of God. And, and so we can, we can um, see and clearly what we're supposed to do and He empowers us to do it. We can see the difference between you know, what's an attack and what's temptation and what we should do. And, and then he works through us in the process. And when we do mess up, he loves us and forgives us so we can learn. And, and then we can keep doing the right thing. But, but he's with us and for us. You need to know that about God. And, and that the reality is we, we need to submit to him. He, humility allows us to submit to God, to say, God, your way's right. Mine's not. I want to do it your way. And then he empowers you to live like that uh, in order to find life. James 4.8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is quoting from the Psalms there, Psalm 24. Um, but but um, this idea of being double-minded, so he's just kind of honing in on what I'm talking about, is, is deceitful. It's, 
it's, um, it's willing two things and not one thing. It's saying, you know, I want what God wants. Uh, you know, I want that, but I also want what I want and what the world offers. I want both. And um, you can't find life in there um, because it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's uh, a purity of heart that they talk about there um, re- requires a life of integrity. And integrity is about a single focus. It's a single-mindedness, not a double-mindedness. And, and integrity is, is living um, in a way that you say you, you believe you ought to live and, and that those things begin to mesh. Um, it lacks integrity to say one thing and live another. And people see those things pretty quickly in us. But integrity is, is when um, what we say we believe, we're at least attempting to try and walk that out to the best of our ability. We'll fall short because we're sinners, but um, we'll get there. And so I told you this story, I think, months ago. I like this story. It's about integrity. And it's about this guy who goes to church all the time um, with his children and his family, you know. And he's one day he's driving down the road with his son. They're driving down a country road and they see a watermelon patch just a little bit off the highway. And so the guy stops and he says to his son, hey, keep watch and uh, I'm going to go get us a melon. And he sneaks into the patch and he takes a melon and calls out to the boy. He says, hey, is anyone coming? Look both ways. And the little boy wisely responds, but daddy, shouldn't we look up too? When you're when you're a dad and your little kid busts you like that, you hate it. It's like ah, oh. <laughs> because sometimes you know we we do those things right without thinking. And and I, the reason I like that is living in integrity to me is one of those things where we should live like somebody's watching, not in a weird stalkery way, but but we should live like. Uh, I got to tell you something funny. So I'm I'm at Winn Dixie Sunday night doing some shopping, and one of the young men from church is over there working. His name, he's Cole, and he's working hard. And I was, dude, you're overworking. He said, yeah, I'm stalking. He said, actually, that's my official title. I'm a night stalker. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so not in a weird stalkery way. But um, we should live like somebody is watching because, in effect, somebody is. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping a watch on the wicked and the good. And I think it's really helpful personally, to live like somebody's watching, like nothing is done in secret, like nothing is done in the darkness, like, like everything is wide open and everybody's watching, I think is, a, is really a very, believe it or not, I think it's an extremely healthy way to live because it'll keep you from being, you know, double-minded because you, it, it will help you to think, I should just do the right thing regardless of what's going on here. I was, uh, we were meeting with the dream team, that's what I call the young leader. Uh, we were having a meeting and we, we talk about I have the, I'm going to give you another thing that I do. I ask them every week, how do they smell like Jesus this week? Because they said we should be a fragrance to the Lord. And so we, you know, when you're dealing with young people, you say neat things. Like, so, okay, who smelled like Jesus this week? And they tell me stories. And um, one of the stories from a few weeks ago was one of them had, was down in Key West and found a wallet on the sidewalk with 16 $100 bills in it. Ooh, pretty cool, right? And he walked right into the thing and said, hey, I, I found this out on the street. It belonged to somebody, belonged to somebody in there. And uh, handed it right back. You know, he took all the $100 bills for himself, but he handed it. No, no. <laughs> yeah, he's not perfect. No. <laughs> handed it all back. And I was, I was like, that's so cool. Because do you know how many people would really go through the motions of 
Should I, shouldn't I? What does it look like? 16 $100 bills. Wow. He just put it right back. Perfect stuff. Um, but, you know, that should be how we do things. We should always think, you know, you know what? it shouldn't matter. I just want to do the right thing. Like, like millions of people are watching me on the Internet. And uh, it's okay because it's, I, it's, it's right. So, um, again, this whole, James is just helping us live by doing the next right thing. And that's where we're going to find life. And, and so living a life of integrity, it's about, you know, um, living like something because God's watching. And then, and then with that realization, living a life that pleases him. First Thessalonians 4.1. You can write that down and look it up later too. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact you are living. Now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Live lives that please God. That's what it's all about. And, uh, and, and you know, we, we certainly can't do that without His help. And, and, and so He empowers us by His Holy Spirit to do that. He's with us and for us. He loves us. He forgives us. He encourages us. And, and um, He just wants us to keep pressing in. I love this quote. Henry Nouwen is this very spiritual uh, writer and author and stuff. And... Uh, he had this opportunity to ask Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa a question um, for spiritual direction. And, and this is, she, you know, he said, well, how should I live this thing out? That was a pretty good person to ask Mother Teresa. I just love her response. Spend one hour each day in adoration of your Lord, she said, and never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. I think, well, that seems so simple. <laughs> Hang out with Jesus for an hour every day and don't do anything wrong and you'll be fine. <laughs> so there you go. There's the secret, guys. You got it. <laughs> James 4, 11 and 12. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Anytime that we, we sit in judgment of someone else, we're in effect considering ourselves superior and we're playing God is what we're doing. And see, the reality is since I really don't know what people are going through, I don't know their background, I don't know their story, when I'm being critical, I'm kind of playing God. And, and, uh, and where we get drawn into that is there's something illegitimate about comparing ourselves or, or making ourselves feel superior somehow to other people that sort of builds us up, but it's, a, it's illegitimate. It's false. Um, and so we need to avoid that. And, and um, we, we, we can't do that. You're never going to feel better about yourself by putting other people down. I got another quote in my notes. Lots of quotes this week. Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain. And most fools do. That was Dale Carnegie. Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain. And most fools do. Last few verses there in, in James four thirteen through seven. A lot of neat stuff, but but uh, I love what he said. You know, sin isn't just doing what's wrong; it's also not doing what's right. And uh, so it's not just doing wrong; it's not doing what you should do, what's right. And and that's why it's so important for us to live by doing the next right thing. So a lot of really good stuff in James four. I'd encourage you to read it and dig through it again, and uh, pull out the nuggets for yourself. But that's good for tonight. If you're watching on TV or video, thank you for spending time with us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, uh, we hope you'll come and see us sometime and, and visit when you can. But we're going to call it a night there.